It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome to the virtual bible study for this november 6 2008 we appreciate you listening to the program and we look forward to hearing from you as this is a listener interactive program in which we give you the opportunity to join in on the discussion You can join in on the discussion via email. You can send your emails to questions at collegeview.com. And better yet, you can join in on the discussion via the phone tonight. You can dial toll-free, 877-381-4567. We look forward to hearing from you on the phone tonight or on email. But we do look forward to hearing from you and your participation in the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you on the virtual Bible study on Thursday night, as always. We always look forward to our discussion. We think we've got a pretty good discussion topic suggested for tonight, Jacob. We had actually, in fact, I even told some folks last night here at College View uh, that we were going to pursue one topic, but you and I talked earlier this morning, and it just seems like we can't help but deal with the question of the new, newly elected president, Jacob. That's the subject on a lot of people's minds. It is a subject that's on a lot of people's mind, and more importantly, it is a subject that the Bible deals with. The Bible tells us how we are to respond and react to those who are in authority. We need to keep that in mind, Ed. If we think about party politics and and politics in general, there is a tendency for us to, to get personally involved in that, but the Bible calls us to rise above the political and deal with things in a way that God uh, desires. Really, uh, moral issues have to be far more important to us than political interests. I think everybody has a political opinion, and we can talk about political opinions, but as Christians, our primary emphasis should be on spiritual things, on, on moral issues. And we'll notice tonight as we study that some of the moral issues involved with the presidency have no bearing on our response to the presidency and our relationship yeah. to the president. And so we'll talk about that. Right. We have sort of dealt with some of the moral questions leading up to the election. But now we want to talk about how do we react since the election has been held, the, the vote has been cast. What do we do now as Christians? How do we react to the situation as it is now? Uh, to our update list earlier today, I sent out I actually, Jacob, I sent out more questions than I usually do. I sent out five, and uh, we're looking for feedback along these lines. If you've not answered yet, please do so. If you're not on our update list and want to be, send us a message. Just say, add me to your list. Send that message to questions at collegeview.com, and we'll gladly add you to our list. Uh, we've got several hundred people that are on that list already, and we'd be glad to add you to it. Uh, but here are the questions that I sent out earlier today. We've been getting feedback all day. We're still getting feedback. I think a lot of people want to voice an opinion here. Question one, if the recent election did not turn out the way you wanted, if the candidate who won was not the one you supported, do you still believe God's will was accomplished in this matter? That's an interesting question. I think we'll really have some thoughts to share with each other about that. Was God's will accomplished in this election? 
Okay. Number two, list the specific duties that all Christians have toward the new president or toward any civil leader for that matter. Number three, what are some of the wrong attitudes we must guard against with the new president? And closely joined with that question, number four, is it wrong to make jokes about the president? Yes or no? What's out of bounds and so forth? Give us your thoughts on making jokes about the president and what what might be some bad attitudes or wrong attitudes to have. And then number five, if the president makes moral decisions that you disagree with, what would be the proper way to react to that? So what if the president does some things that we don't agree with, especially in matters of moral decisions and so forth? So those are our questions. And, uh, again, if you have not responded yet, we hope you will. Send us an email, questions at collegeview.com, or give us a phone call. All right. The number to call is 877-381-4567 again, and we do look forward to hearing from you on the phone. Or you can send your emails to questions at collegeview.com. Basically want to know what's our attitude towards the president and what is our relationship to the president now that the election is over and the decision has been cast. How are we to respond? You may have seen some attitudes in your own thinking or maybe in the thinking of others that has been expressed to you by the things that they've said. Maybe you've seen some attitudes in yourself or in others that you think are dangerous. Maybe some jokes that you've told or heard told. Okay. Right. Things like that. Those are the kind of things we want to talk about. How should we react to the new president? Uh, that That's the idea. Jump in on the discussion now. We look forward to hearing from you. Dad, let's get into the discussion of your questions. Number one is, uh, do you think God's will was accomplished? Regardless of whether your candidate won or lost, do you think God's will was accomplished? And Jim in Mount Pleasant says, if there's anything God tells us about his will in his word, it is that it is always accomplished, see Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 11. So, yes, even though I did not appreciate the outcome, it is God's will. Okay. Uh, Jim says he thinks it is God's will. Uh, I, the, the verse, One of the strong verses along this line has got to be Daniel chapter 4, verse 17. In Daniel 4, verse 17, Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar, This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand of by the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomever he will and setteth up over it the basis of men. And so Daniel said that God rules in the kingdoms of men and actually specifically uh, gives those kingdoms to whomever he will, even setting up the basis of men or the lowest of men, the crudest of men, uh, the lowliest of men, to be their rulers. And so Daniel seemed to ascribe the, the idea of specific uh, rulers being uh, there because God uh, uh, said that they should be. Now, in, in, in Isaiah chapter 40, he puts them there. He also takes them out. Yeah. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 23, talking about God that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth his vanity. So the indication from the scriptures is, and that we may not, he may not do it in every case, but the indication in the scriptures is that he has control over who's in power and who's removed from yeah. power. Now, the question I think is, does he choose specific individuals, or does he does he do it in a broader way to accomplish his purpose? He's going to accomplish his purpose. We know God can use even evil men to accomplish his purposes, uh, and and so it's not you know so, some some of our emailers are going to mention somebody like Adolf Hitler. Uh, certainly Adolf Hitler was was disobedient to the will of God. He was not obedient to God. But God could use him, could even use a, a, an evil man like Hitler to accomplish his ultimate purposes. And so God, you know, uh, uh, rules in the kingdom of men, Daniel said. And we believe that. 
whether he brings up specific individuals to be rulers or he uses whatever rulers are there to accomplish his purpose, I think that's probably uh, the fine point of this question as to which way we go with that answer. All right. Michael in Indiana says, yes, and talking about is God's will accomplished in the election. Yes, the Bible is clear. God appoints rulers, destroys countries, and raises them up. He chose King Saul in 1 Samuel 9, verse 17, and chapter 10, verse 1. And he rejected him in 1 Samuel 15, verse 2, then replaced him with David, Acts 13, verse 22. Romans 13, 1 through 2 is clear that God appoints rulers over men. The following verses in Romans 13 help us to see that it is part of God's divine plan and one of his ways of dealing with the wicked. Just because we may not agree with God's appointment of rulers, we would do well to remember Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. Let me add, our nation is one that, who has rejected God in so many ways. We have debated removing in God we trust from our currency. We can see the day rapidly approaching when speaking out against certain issues such as homosexuality could be punishable by law. We have begun a walk down a path that will one day accept homosexual marriages. We feel it is our right to choose to kill unborn children. Prayer in the school is no longer allowed, and the Ten Commandments may no longer be displayed in many of our courthouses. We have rejected God. Should it be any surprise that God had given us the leadership we have asked for, possibly as a punishment? A nation will receive the leadership it deserves. An ungodly nation will receive ungodly rulers to its own destruction. Okay, so uh, Michael is basically saying God may be using this, again, to accomplish his purpose and maybe to bring a punishment upon us. I've got an email here from Patrick in Birmingham who says, quite honestly, I don't know. I suppose it's possible that God could bring, could be using this event, which is, in my opinion, the election of the worst possible candidate in this election, to work out some greater good. However, while God is all-powerful and all-wise, he does not violate man's free will. If Barack Obama is the candidate whom the American people chose, regardless of whom God would have selected, he is not going to violate the gift of free will. So uh, Patrick says he's not sure. But he says, you know, that we do have a will and we have a choice and the choices have consequences. I think that's a true principle, too. So we choose certain leaders in a, in, a, in a democracy. We choose certain leaders. If we make bad choices, bad choices have bad consequences. And that might be that might be something we're learning, too. You know, I think it gets down to the fact that we in our finite minds can't fully understand how God works. Yeah, it's beyond right. our comprehension to well, know exactly. Well, Isaiah 55.8, his exactly. ways are higher than our ways, his so, thoughts than ours. So he has revealed to some extent of how he works, but the finer details and the specifics we won't be able to know. And if we could know them, we would, if, we, if they were revealed to us, we would be able to understand them yeah. because they're so much higher than us. Yeah, Stephen in Pennsylvania writes and says, uh, uh, was God's will accomplished in this matter? Yes, according to Romans 13, verses 1 and 2, we may not be able to understand why this was God's decision, but at least we can accept Obama as our president. It was God's providence. Uh, I wanted to comment about Romans 13. I, I have a, my, my thinking on Romans 13. Let's read that. Uh, I think most of, most of you, our listeners will recognize this text. Romans 13, 1, let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. The powers that be are ordained of God. I really think that this text, now I think the Daniel passage, Daniel 4.17 that we read earlier, suggested specific individuals are put in place by God. 
I actually think Romans 13, though, is more talking about the concept of civil government. That's a, that's a God-ordained uh, institution. That, that plan is ordained of God that there should be civil rulers who would punish evil and, and reward good. Uh, I, I take Romans 13 to be speaking in general uh, that, that the concept of government, not necessarily specific individuals like an Adolf Hitler, but the general concept of government is ordained of God, much like marriage. Marriage is ordained of God. That's, that's not to say that every husband's a good husband or every wife is a good wife, but the concept of marriage is a good concept and it was ordained of God. All right. And so, uh, we, but yeah, as you said there, that, the gen, it seems to be speaking in generalities there in, in Romans chapter 13. We want to hear from you, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. All of our listeners so far have said, yes, it was God's will, but Johnny, says, no, absolutely not. God allowed the Israelites to have for themselves a king, but it was not God's will that they have one. However, God can use current situations for his glory, in this case, maybe judgment. Yeah, well, I think he, there at the end he's suggesting what some, several others have said. God could use this. He, he can use it. And he says uh, God can use current situations for his glory, but he says it was not the will of God that that the the election went the way it was, but he can use it. So again, that's a fine line. I'm not sure how we can give a definitive answer on that, Jacob. Certainly, there are several principles involved. It's already been suggested. Patrick suggested that we have free will, we have free choice. Choices have consequences. But the Bible also says that God rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever He will. So there's several things to take into consideration there. But I think the thing that we have to the bottom line is God's will will ultimately be done. All right. Jonathan in Cookville, Tennessee. And Jonathan is a new subscriber to our update list. Good to have you uh, listening, Jonathan. Jonathan. Jonathan says, was it God's will? Yes. The Bible states in Romans 13, verse 1, that the authorities that exist are appointed by God. I do not think uh, that it is the will of God that the country is becoming obviously immoral, but the Bible states that God controls who is in authority. As scary as it may sound, God may have the same type of plans for this country as he did with Sodom and Gomorrah, and he could use an authority figure to bring about his plans. Well, I, you know, several people that I've talked to privately have suggested, you know, that this could be, you know, certainly our country, and I think Michael in his email suggested it in some length, our country is not following God's will. We, we, we're rebellious people. We've not been adhering to his commands. And the history of God's dealings with nations who are disobedient to him is that he always punishes them. He never lets them stand indefinitely. And therefore, we cannot even begin to imagine that God would leave our nation unpunished for its rebellion. So this may be, as several have suggested, this may be a step toward God bringing judgment upon us. If it is, we have to accept that as being so. All right. And but, but you can't see that. You can't see that in the present. We might, you know, in the future, historians might be able to look back, you know, uh, and say, yeah, look what, look how that came together. Living in the moment, we can't see it, and, and we'll just have to trust God doing his will. Well, there's two important things to remember, though. God is in control. He was in control on Monday. He's in control tonight. God's in control, and we're on the right side of things. Right. God may bring about punishment, but he will care for his own, and we need to make sure that we're being obedient to him. One more email before we go to our break. Don in Antioch says, I believe the result of the election was God's will, but I do not believe his will is necessarily accomplished. It is a work in progress, and maybe someday those who love God can look back and see how all things work together for good. Even with Hitler, all things work together for good to those who love God. All right, it's time for a break, and we're going to take that break, and we'll look forward to hearing from you on the other side. If you have not joined in on the discussion, now is the time to do it. Yeah, and our next question, Jacob, 
uh, what are our duties toward our appointed leaders and what are some wrong attitudes we ought to guard against? All right. This is important. This is important stuff. God expects us to have the current attitude or the correct attitude and uh, relationship to those who are in authority. So join us for that discussion on the other side of the break and get in on the discussion. We'll take a short break and be right back after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great. I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College U Church of Christ. Hi, my name is Zach Coleman, and when I'm listening to the virtual Bible study, I love to hear comments from other listeners. So please join in tonight's discussion by sending an email or by making a phone call. The address is questions at collegeview.com, and the phone number is toll-free, 877-381-4567. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And we are back, and we look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Join in on the discussion now. Plenty of time to take your thoughts and your comments, and this is something that you should be thinking about because the Bible is very explicit in its instructions on our attitude and our relationship to those who are in authority. So we need to know that we have the correct attitude and that we're behaving as we should to those who are in authority. And so we want to hear from you on the program tonight. We're going to this second question. Now, we had several questions hanging out there, so uh, let's move on. We I think we have to leave the first one sort of in the think about that for a while category. Well, I don't think first one that you're not going to be able to think about it long enough to figure it out. Right. It's just it, okay. We're just going to have to trust God's will is going to be done and and. I'm not sure we can put our finger on all the specifics of that. But these other questions, I think, Jacob, are more definitive. We can give a, 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 a more absolute answer. The next question we asked was, list the specific duties that all Christians have toward the new president. Michael says, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 comes to mind. We are to pray for those in positions of authority that we might be able to lead quiet and peaceable lives in all righteousness unto God. As citizens, we are to obey those in positions of authority, Romans 13, as long as the law of God allows. So he says two things. One, especially from 1 Timothy 2, is that we should pray for our rulers. And Romans 13 says we're to be obedient to them. With the caveat, and he suggests, I think uh, Acts 5.24 here is the good verse, to show that we would not be obedient to them if they instructed us to disobey God. Or excuse me, that's Acts 5.29. Peter and the other apostles answered the council, we ought to obey God rather than men. That's that's the principle. If, if, if any leader would tell us that we had to violate God's law, then we would have to disobey the civil leader. Short of that, though. Short of that, we're to be obedient. All right. Michael in Indiana says we should. That was, excuse me, I said Michael. That was Jim. Who, that was that's Jim. Jim's we, don't wanna, yeah. Yeah. we don't want to give Michael the credit or Jim the credit for. Well, you know how I'm saying. Here. Uh, Michael says that uh, we should accept the authority of the leader's place above us. He references Romans 13, verse 2. He says we should support him to carry out justice, Romans 13, verse 4. Fear, that is to recognize his authority and honor him, for he is appointed by God, Romans 13, 1, and Romans 13, verse 7. 
pay the taxes they enforce, even if they are higher, Romans chapter 13, verse 7. Live as good examples for God and for the sake of our country, Romans 13, verses 13 and 14. And pray for him. He and his family need the Lord just as much as you or I do, even if he does something that is harmful to you. The president may need more prayers than most in the past, seeing his moral nature and the inherent dangers that come with being black, as there would be some who might desire to harm him for something so foolish as the color of his skin. Okay, I noticed that the primary, the primary text that Michael used in his answer is Romans 13. I think he's right. We accept the authority. We support him in carrying out justice. Fear him. Pay the taxes. You know, Unfortunately, in an election like this, it seems that a lot of people pay more attention to the economy than they do to morality. But in regards to the economy, however it went, if if this president would raise our taxes, we're to pay those taxes. That's a godly principle. And, we you, have know, to, and you know, there will be Christians. Oops. There will be Christians. Need to not hit my microphone. There will be Christians who will complain about the way that the president rules who do not pray for the president. Yeah. If we want the president to make proper decisions, we ought to be praying that he will. Yeah. And uh, don't sit back and complain that he's making immoral and wrong decisions when you're not praying for him. Exactly right. Stephen writes and says, uh, as long as it does not conflict with God's law, then we are to be submissive, Romans 13, 2. And just because something is against God's law does not give us permission to act out and bring shame upon God. Just because laws that may be against God's laws are established does not mean we have to act on those laws. I don't know. You, can you help me with that? I'm trying to think of an example. He doesn't give an example. Just because something is against God's law does not give us permission to act out and bring shame upon okay. God. Okay. Okay. Let's say that the that uh, well, let's say abortion. Abortion is as passed as legal. It doesn't give us the right to act out and act in immoral, ungodly ways in in protesting For that. For instance, bombing an abortion clinic. Bombing an abortion. It, we couldn't. We'd have to still guard our speech, and we'd have to we'd have to speak out against it in ways that are acceptable. So I think that's what he's he's in, indicating there. Okay. All right. I would agree with that. I think that's true. All right. And Johnny says, uh, "What are our duties?" He says, "I would say pray for them." Romans 13 tells us to obey. However, the true ruler of this country would be the Constitution. The president or any administrator would be bounded by the same. When a president becomes tyrannical, then we should not obey them. I disagree with Johnny on that point. Well, well it just depends on what he means tyrannical. If, if, if he means that if he begins to tell us to violate the will of God, we're not going to obey but him. But if he tells us to move out of our home so the government can have them, what are we to do? We're to obey. Yeah. Well, he goes on to give a couple examples. He says, for example, the three Hebrew children did not obey Nebuchadnezzar. When Nebuchadnezzar told them to be, bow down to his idol, they wouldn't do it because that would be violating God's law. But that's and, that's why they didn't do it because it violated God's law, yeah, not because he, it was something that was tyrannical. Well, but he's he's using this as an example. He says if if the president becomes tyrannical, for example, the three okay. Hebrew children. I think I think he's saying the same thing we are. We might not use that word. In other words, if the if the rulers mean and unreasonable. We still have to obey him. But if he but tells, it tells us to do something against God's law, we can't obey okay. him. All right. And he gives another good example. We can exhort and expose like John the Baptist withstood Herod over his brother Philip's wife. We are the light of this world. So we could, if the, if the president makes wrong decisions and enacts immoral laws, we could expose those and say this is wrong, this is immoral. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later in the in the study, but I think that's a good point, a really good point. Uh, this is this next one is from Jonathan. from Jonathan in Cookville, Tennessee, who says, as a Christian and a citizen, we are to live by the laws that 
are helped to be set in place by the president as long as they are not contrary with Scripture. He agrees with with others that have stated. All right, and Don in Antioch says, Obey the laws of the land as long as that obedience does not require disobedience to God. So I think we, we have a pretty good consensus yeah, on that. Yeah, good, good consensus on being obedient, uh, but I think we should also – I think probably what you said, Jacob, is true, that we neglect the prayer part of that. I think that we're we're taught to pray for let, – let's read that text. We alluded to it. But we're specifically commanded to pray for our, our civil rulers in uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Chapter 2, it says, verse 1, exhort therefore, I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and givings of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life with all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So that's an instruction, a command of God. You know, that the, the motto is before Election Day is if you're not going to vote, don't complain about the leader that you get. And the Christian's uh, motto could be if you're not going to pray, don't complain about the decisions that they make because you're to be praying for them that they'll make the right decision. Exactly right. We've got one more reply to that question. Patrick says we have the duty to obey all just laws. We should do our best to submit to the legitimate authority. We also have a responsibility to pray for all those in authority. So he says, obey and pray. That's what everybody's been saying. I think those are right answers. However, to add to my answer, I would say that I expect some unjust laws to be passed under the current presidency. And I think many Christians and other people of goodwill may be forced in a corner where we'll have to defy the law of man in order to obey God. I saw this primarily because of his promise to sign into law the so-called Freedom of Choice Act. This one bill would do away with every restriction against abortion in the laws of every state. It would do away with laws which protect the consciences of people who refuse to perform or cooperate in abortions out of moral objections. Even hospitals which do not perform them would be required by law to perform them. Well, what if you were a doctor? And, okay, here's this might be a, you know, a, a near-at-hand example. You're a doctor, and you have a conscience that tells you, obviously, abortion is murder. You can't. But what if the, the law of the land says... As a doctor, you cannot refuse to perform that procedure if a woman wants you to perform that procedure. Well, in that case, you'd have to disobey the law of the land and obey God. Another one that is perhaps more pertinent is the homosexuality. Speaking out against homosexuality won't be long until that's a hate speech and you'll be punished for it. Right. And so we've got to have to keep proclaiming the word of God even if the government says we can't. All right, quickly, we have uh, the next question on our list is what are some wrong attitudes we must guard against with the new president? You know, Dad, I've seen some of those bad attitudes, and it's it's careful. We need to be careful about them, that we have the correct attitude. And we have Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, says we need to be careful of our tongues. Whatever we believe about the person, Colossians chapter 3, 22 through 25, comes to mind. To not be men pleasers, giving only eye service, but realizing we serve God and his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at all times. And thus we must give service as unto them. Yeah, I think this is this is an area where it's going to be a challenge for a lot of Christians, I think. Because my guess is that for the vast majority of people who are listening, if not unanimously among those who are listening to our program, we did not favor this particular candidate who won the election. And so since since we envision ourselves in, in the position of the losers here, it'd be easy to say, well, he's not my president and uh and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take cheap pot shots at him every time I get a chance to do so. I'm gonna complain and gripe and run him down to everyone I talk to I think we really, as Jim says, we got to be careful of our tongues. We got to be careful about that. Uh, we've got several good comments on honoring uh, civil authorities and, 
but we need to we need to look to some of that. Uh, in fact, we've got an email here. Uh, Clay in Columbia had actually written an essay on this subject, uh, an article, and I won't take time to read every bit of it, but I think he's right on mark. He says, First Peter two seventeen says, "Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king." The apostle Peter, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, directed those of the dispersion, chapter one verse one who were being grieved by various trials, chapter 1, verse 6, to honor the king of the government that was in part afflicting them with those trials. By the use of the word honor, Peter is saying that as Christians we respect, value, and revere the king, or in our case, the president. Uh, Since we're to honor the king, we must recognize that as Christians we are called to cease from gossiping, ridiculing, mocking, and or slandering our president. But you might be saying to yourself, but the First Amendment gives me the right to say anything I want to say about the president. But I would ask you, friends, does God give you the right to say anything you want about the president? We must remember the exhortation of Peter that Christians are not to use their liberty as a cloak for vice, First Peter 2, verse 16. So even though we are granted the privilege in our country, the freedom of speech, uh, you know, that, that we can, the First Amendment says we have freedom of speech, we can say what we want, and I can run the president down and they can't do anything about it to me. But that, even though I have that liberty, doesn't mean I have that that yeah. moral right to do that. And I like the point that uh, that Clay brings out here. He says that there's really no preconditions on that instruction to honor the king. The kings in those days were persecuting the Christians and putting them to death, and they were still told you honor that king. Exactly right. And we might excuse ourselves for having a bad attitude because uh, President Obama supports abortion or is in favor of homosexual marriage. We cannot fail to honor the king regardless of what he's doing. There's no precondition or, or exception to that instruction. Exactly right. we got some more to say about that, several more emails to re- read. And if you have not emailed us, we're dealing right now with this question. What are some of the wrong attitudes that we got to guard against towards the new president? And, and we want to talk more about what about telling jokes about the president? What about that? Send us an email, questions at collegeview.com, or get on the phone. The it phone is line. open, wide open. Oh, one eight seven seven toll free one eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Yeah, use Alexander Graham Bell's invention here. It needs to be put to use. Give us a call tonight. Looking forward to hearing from you. We'll take a break, get this week's bullet point, and we'll be back to continue the discussion. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Occasionally, especially when discussing politics, we'll hear someone described as a pragmatist. What this means is that this fellow's main operating rule is to do whatever it takes. His standard for judging whether a thing is good or not is simply, does it work? All that matters to him is getting the desired result. It doesn't matter how he gets it. If he gets reelected, if his campaign contributions keep coming in, then everything is good. Never mind that promises have been broken, questionable tactics employed, even laws violated. The pragmatist isn't concerned with such details and technicalities. There is clearly a growing trend toward pragmatism in religion. It is that philosophy which says the end justifies the means. All around us we see the signs of it. Many denominations have been following this approach for decades. We all want to see the church grow. We long to see lost souls converted. How can we achieve these goals? The pragmatist says, do whatever it takes. If this means changing the scripturally authorized work and worship of the church, he's willing to do so. If it means 
renovating the worship so that people have it the way they like it and expect it, then that's the way it will be. If it means letting the women take a leading role in preaching and conducting services, then they'll do that. After all, this is the trend in the world, and we've got to adjust to it if we want to keep up. And we need to add recreation and entertainment to draw the young people, social services to entice people with special needs, and so forth. There's no stopping place for the religious pragmatist. As he continues his work, he will see the church go farther and farther away from the truth taught in God's word. Instead of pragmatism, we need to demand a thus saith the Lord for all that we do and teach. Colossians 3.17. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Alex Dvorak, reminding you to listen to the virtual Bible study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Welcome back to the program tonight. If you're just joining us, we're talking about our relationship to the new president. What does the Bible teach us about our attitude and our actions uh, to those who are in authority? We want to hear from you on the phone tonight at 877-381-4567. We're going to talk about telling jokes about the president tonight. What do we, how do we draw the line or do we draw a line? Is there anything that's off limits or is it a permissible to tell jokes about the president? We'll talk about that. So jump on the phones or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Getting good listener participation, Dad, tonight. Yeah, we still love to hear from you. we got half an hour. We've got a lot of things to cover here. Send us an email. Um, Michael says concerning wrong attitudes to guard against, Ephesians 5 verse 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Though the passage no doubt speaks of spiritual things, Empty words are often exactly what politicians offer. For a nation that claims to be about 85% Christian, it's impossible for me to accept that while seeing that about 53%, well, it is impossible for me to accept that while seeing that about 53% of Americans voted for a man who was in favor of abortion, murdering innocent children. If he will do that to the defenseless baby, why would we elect a man with a heart so corrupt to rule our nation? Well, that goes to the choice. That goes to the choice that's, but the choice has been made. Uh, we, we could talk beforehand that we need to make the right choice as Christians vote for someone who, who has high moral principles that uh, comply with the will of God. But uh, the, the outcome is now known. And so we're dealing more now. Uh, I think Michael's comments uh, uh, go to we, what choice we should have made, but now we're dealing with the choice that has been made. He is now our king. Yeah, or our under president. a different title, but he yeah. is in effect our king. Stephen in Pennsylvania says um, we should guard against pride. Pride is what the Lord hates. Proverbs eight verse thirteen brings about shame. Proverbs eleven verse twelve brings strife. Proverbs three thirteen verse ten and will bring about humility. Proverbs twenty nine verse twenty three. So we would need to be humble to, uh, in re- response to those who are in authority. Yeah, uh, maybe be careful not to grow bitter too that that it didn't go the way we wanted it to go all right johnny and in loretta tennessee uh says uh, wrong attitudes to guard against he's only a man we should guard our wrong attitudes toward anyone the same uh, in other words there are principles there's principles about how we should treat anybody and that, and people say things about the president they wouldn't say about you to yeah, your face. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so I, that, that's that's a good observation, I think. All right, Jonathan in Cookville says, uh, an automatic feeling of disrespect or even hatred simply because the president may be from a different political party. The only party that a Christian should be part of is the church. All right. And so, I think that's a, some, a wise statement. So – uh, we should be careful not to just be totally partisan. He's not my. He's not the candidate of my party. Therefore, I don't. He's not my president. And my neighbor's not uh, in the same political party. My neighbor had an Obama 
sign in his yard maybe and i had a mccain sign in my yard and so now i won't talk to my neighbor yeah we need to be bigger than that yeah uh don writes those who are unhappy with the result of the election need to resist the urge to hope the new president does poorly because any mess-ups will hurt our country people who do this have more pride in party and self than country that sort of goes in line with what was just said uh about being careful about pride now that he's in, we need to accept it and, and relatively speaking, hope he ends up being the best president that righteous people ever had. But to do this, he will have to change his attitude about a few things, such as his idea concerning abortions and homosexuals, which in turn will make him the worst president that the unrighteous uh, have ever had. So, Wow. I think that that is uh, something that I hadn't thought about. Now that he's in, we need to accept it and relatively speaking, hope he ends up being the best president that the righteous people have ever had. You know, I wouldn't want someone, I wouldn't want my neighbor, I wouldn't want you to do wickedly. Why would I want the president? Just because he's of a different, I want him, he's a Democrat and I'm a Republican. I want him to fail. I want him to do bad things because yeah, of his political interesting. That's affiliation. interesting because now that's something that, that I've actually voiced. Uh, you know, maybe he'll do so badly that in, the, in a future election we can get a, a, a more conservatively minded president. And uh, I think Don's point is a good one. I should not be hoping for that because uh, people will suffer and bad things will happen if he does badly. I should be hoping he does well. All right. Good point. I yeah. uh, appreciate that. Thanks, Don. Uh, and Patrick in, in uh, uh, Birmingham writes, the most obvious thing that comes to mind is his race. We'll talk about attitudes to guard against. I think it's a good thing that the climate in America has changed enough in the past half century that a non-Caucasian can be elected president. Even so, I think that there has been a sort of reverse racism on the part of some in which they chose to vote for him for no reason other than his race. Whether he was actually qualified or not may have had no bearing at all in their reasoning. I think that we must be careful not to develop some sort of resentment toward him or other people of African descent as a result. So uh, Patrick's comment, I think, is a good one. We've got to guard against racism. And, and, you know, and it is good that our country has come as far as it has. But there's still some latent racism, and I think probably in all of us we've got to be on guard against that. It is it is ungod it's an ungodly characteristic, and we should just get past that. As he's pointed out here, there were people who did not vote for President Obama because of his race. There were people who voted for him because of his race. Both of those are are attitudes that need to be guarded against, right. and uh, we need to be careful about that. And so we do have to honor. We have to be careful about our attitude towards uh, the president. So appreciate those comments that we got. Yeah. Now onto the topic at hand. Now, what about making jokes about the president? You know, we've talked about the fact that uh, the Bible tells us that we need to honor the king. Second Peter or First Peter chapter two verse seventeen tells us to honor the king. Now, how does that relate to the telling of the jokes? Because the jokes have already started. I've heard jokes about the president already. I think the first thing we should observe is, you know, not all jokes are necessarily bad. I might tell a joke about you, okay. and I, I, I mean it in a good-natured way, and it's even a sign of affection. You know, sometimes we poke fun at one another and tell a joke. On each other, and it's really a sign of affection and and, and a good relationship. But, so, but not uh, so. So I, I think we can't just say categorically it's wrong ever to say anything that would have a humorous uh, uh, implication about the president. Because the president will make jokes about himself. Sure, sure. Okay. But having said that, what we're talking about is the the jokes that are vicious and mean-hearted, mean-spirited kind of, of, of uh, motivation. That's what we really want to talk about, I think. All right. And along those lines, Jim in Mount Pleasant says, Many jokes are in good taste. I think when one questions the president's sex, intelligence, his family, and in this case, his color, etc., 
These are, are, are out of bounds. Simple jokes that can be told about any person without maligning them are never harmful. However, if there is a question about whether the joke is funny or harmful, then just don't tell it. Again, we are servants of the Lord and are to always be careful to represent him in a righteous way. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, I think I think Jim's on the mark there. Uh, Michael. Michael, yeah, Michael in Indiana has written. Uh, he's got a, long, a, a pretty long answer here. Let's see. Uh, he says, I think it would be difficult to fear, that is, recognize his authority and honor him, for he is appointed by God, Romans 13, 1 and 7, while at the same time making fun of him. Let's be fair. He does need our help and support so much as we can give it to him. He has a very tough job, maybe the toughest in America. We are told in Ephesians 4.22 to put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. What former conduct? Well, Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So how are we supposed to behave ourselves? Aren't a few off-color jokes okay if we don't get carried away? Maybe we ought to ask the question, would God use my type of speech? Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, Ephesians 5, verse 1. So I think Michael is taking a position, probably stricter position than I, I would take. He's saying nothing humorous about the king at all. Uh, 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 certainly, we're not, we can't tell any off-color jokes or anything like that. We, we would be in agreement. But I think Michael is taking that a, a step farther than I am. I, uh, he's saying, no, no humorous expressions relative to the president at all. Well, as Clay pointed out in his article that he forwarded to us, that we're to honor the king. We're also to honor our parents. And so if we wouldn't tell certain jokes about our parents because we loved them and honored them, then perhaps that would 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 but on the other hand, some but, of the things we might say about the president. But on the other hand, sometimes we do tell humorous stories about Correct. our parents. Even And it's not an indication that we don't honor them. So I think that's a... It's a fine line, and you're going to have to make a judgment but about I, But I, I still go back to what I said initially. I don't think that you could say categorically that if you ever said something humorous concerning the president that you would be disrespecting him. But we need to check ourselves yeah, because yeah. these jokes can cause us to bring yeah, him down. Because you, because you have heard and already, and I have heard some jokes about the new president-elect that are based upon his color and that have a racist uh, – uh, undertone, kind of undertone, and if and Christians are telling these kind of jokes, that if you were to, if you were to tell if you were a, a, a DJ or someone in, on television, if you had told that joke, you would be fired. Now you would not have your job. And Christians are telling jokes like that. And if people of the world can't tell those jokes without some ramifications, why would a Christian tell those jokes? We need to be careful about that. Yeah, we need to be real careful. I think we need to be careful that more careful than we typically have been. When the president who's holding the office is not the president we voted for, we've got to be more careful than ever. All of us can remember, you know, maybe when Bill Clinton was president, we didn't really like him. We didn't think he was a moral man. And so it was easier for us to tell degrading jokes about him. Sure. Uh, so that it, it, there's a greater challenge for us when we when he's not our man, he's not the guy we voted for. It, it, it's going to require more effort on our part to be careful. And these what we things say. that we say, they they work on our thinking and our attitude towards the president. Just be careful. We need to be on guard against. Yeah. Uh, Stephen in Pennsylvania says, yes, it would be wrong to make jokes about the president if they are against him and his character. I admit that I was laughing at the Saturday Night Live presidential bash, but I had not thought about it until you posted this question. How would I feel if everyone was laughing at me? Making jokes jokes about the president only demonstrates pride, and it also says to me that you think you could do the job better. Let me ask you this. When McCain and Obama were doing a debate with Tom Brokaw 
They constantly went in front of the camera unknowingly. Of course, Saturday Night Live exaggerated a bit, which made it humorous. Is it okay to laugh at that? Yeah, see, I think well, – I'm not sure exactly what he's talking about there, but I, I think that there's some things that you can laugh about. The president himself would laugh at certain things that were done. Uh, I, I remember that debate, and after the debate was over, they were wandering around on the stage, and they were blocking – the camera view of Tom Brokaw and he couldn't even read his teleprompter. And, and, and so that was kind of funny. And I think everybody kind of laughed about uh, how that turned out. That's, that's not, that's not diminishing the office of the president or, or being uh, disrespectful to him. So again, yeah, I think you can do that without, without being wrong. All right. Uh, Jonathan in Cookville says, is it wrong to make jokes about the president? Absolutely. Personally, I don't feel a Christian should make a joke at someone else's expense at all, but especially the president. Whether or not we agree with his moral or economic decisions, we still owe him a large amount of respect because of his position in this country. However, respecting someone does not mean we have to do things that he says if they are immoral. So, Jonathan goes back to that idea of honoring the king. He says you need to be careful about the, the, the things that you say about him, including the jokes, because you've got to have that attitude of honor. Right. And uh, Don in Antioch, Tennessee, says lighthearted jokes that even the president could make about himself are okay, but to make a mockery and belittle the person in the office are very wrong and disgusting. I think it's really sick how the seriousness of this election was overshadowed by the likes of Saturday Night Live. That's Don's take on that. And Patrick's in, in Birmingham, his idea is this. I think we should take care regardless of who a person is in the way we speak to or about them. Friends can banter and joke, perhaps even make harmless barbs to each other all in fun, and it is of no consequence. But jokes that are really a veiled attempt to slander another person should not be tolerated. I think that's right. And I, and I, 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 I like the way you put it, Jacob. Overall, I think we need to be more careful about this than we have been. Okay. All right, we appreciate all those comments, and we'll take a break and come back to the discussion after this if the president makes a moral decision that you disagree with what is the proper way to react yeah you got time to respond to that question now what if the president comes across and and, and promotes and is able to get past some legislation that we just absolutely don't agree with on a, on a basis of morality not politically but morally how would we react all right we'll take a break and go to the other side uh, to the top of the hour on the other side of the break don't go anywhere the virtual bible study continues after these messages after these important messages, we'll be back to your comments. Email them during this break. Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and guide your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. 
quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the program. We are getting some comments that are coming in now, and we'd like to hear from you. We have time to take your call at 877-381-4567. We have time to take your email at questions at collegeview.com. As we talk about our attitude and our relationship to the president, but how should a Christian respond? Uh, we got an email from Indiana that says, let's just say, possibly a rare possibility, that a Christian was elected president. When he is in office, he can become corrupted as time goes on, and we might regret even voting him into office. We have to hope for the best no matter who's in that position. And so that, I think that goes to what we were saying uh, that was suggested. Let's, we should be hoping and praying that he'd be the very best president there ever was. And, and, and there's nothing saying that a, that a president couldn't uh, learn the truth of the gospel and be obedient to it while he's in, in the office as well. Yeah. So we, we could pray for that as well. So good point. All right. We got one last question here that we had suggested. Uh, if you've got some other thoughts that you'd like to add in, why don't you give us a phone call? That'd be the best way to get on right away. But uh, the number 877-381-4567. But let's go to this last question that we suggested. If the president makes moral decisions that you disagree with, what would be the proper way to react to that? Well, Jim in Mount Pleasant says, as Christians, we have the right to freedom of speech. As citizens, as citizens, as citizens yeah. we have the right to freedom of speech and thus the right to correspond with our president. And I have done so in the past. Most presidents appreciate citizens who correspond in a congenial and Christ-like manner, explaining your position or concerns. The president is not the only, not only the chief executive, but also the chief servant. We should not be ashamed to let our voices be heard within reason and remembering again that we are servants of Christ. I, I agree with that. I mean, it, it, I think it's right to, 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 we have the privilege, we're granted the right as citizens in this country to express our disagreement in a righteous way. Not disrespectfully, but we have a right. If, in other words, if let's just say Jacob that they pass the president promotes and they're about to pass a law granting same-sex marriage nationwide. It's we're not out of place either. I don't think morally or politically to let our view be known on that and, sure. and, and to say we disagree with that. We we would not want that law to be passed. So I think we could do that, uh, keeping in mind. All the other things that we have said about our attitude toward the president. We got an email coming in from Jack in Hampshire, Tennessee, who writes, We talk about our responsibilities to our government, don't, but don't we fail as Christians to let God's will be known to our elected officials? We have the liberty to politely present our views, so why are so many so silent? When we keep silent, we fail to shine in a lawful way. We allow those who are worldly to be heard, and you can bet our elected officials respond as their constituents speak. I was told by a Christian who worked as a senator's aide that one in one in 900 people let their voices be known to their elected officials. Uh, what are we doing to be one of those who makes our voices known? So again, so it, it is not wrong. It's actually right, and and is a is a biblical concept to speak up against things that are wrong. You know, we sort of have a defeatist attitude that the the lead the president is going to be wicked. He's going to make bad decisions. Uh, the country is going to get worse. We have that attitude, Dad, and that we don't do anything, whereas Jack reminds us that we need to speak up for what's right and try and make the world a better place. Uh, that's what uh, God has called us to do, to, to speak up for what's right, and so we ought to do that. And we have Michael in Indiana. He says if the president makes moral decisions you disagree with, what would be the proper way to react? He says, A, if they're ungodly, point out that it, what is wrong. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Silence indicates silent approval 
So he tells us we should speak up. And then uh, B, he says, as stated above, continue to pray for him. Additionally, in our country, we might do well to add that it is our right to respond by contacting our elected officials to tell him what is on our mind in hopes that we might inspire change. I heard once that there are four, were four million members of the Lord's Church in America. If that were true, could you imagine the impact we might have if even half of us wrote to express approval or disapproval of various issues in Washington and on local and state levels? Who knows what we might change? And, you know, for a country that claims to be Christian, Dad, and, and the immorality that is going on that is being propagated by a few, think about the homosexual community. They're definitely a minority, a small no, minority. Maybe maybe one or two percent. At the most. Yeah. And look at what they are able to accomplish. Because they're vocal. What if we were vocal and stood up for the, the right? And it's thing? not wrong to be vocal. I think that's the point we want to stress. It's not wrong to be vocal. We've got we to gotta have a right attitude, but it's not wrong to be vocal. We're given that right in this country, and that's one of the ways we can let our light shine, Matthew 5.16. So good comments. I got an email from Mike here in Columbia, Tennessee, who says, I think we can use Paul's example in Acts 26, verses 24 and following, where he was before Festus and Agrippa. Paul could have addressed them about the economy of the nation or how unfair certain tax policies were, et cetera, not to mention the immorality of those in the government sometimes practiced. Yet Paul preached the gospel to them. In verse 26, when Festus screams at Paul that he is mad or crazy, Paul still addresses him as most noble Festus. When he turns his attention to Agrippa, whose family had a long history of persecuting Christians and still preaches the gospel to him instead of addressing political issues of the day. This is not to suggest that we shouldn't concern ourselves with certain issues, but it seems our first concern should be for their souls before anything else. So uh, I think that I take Mike's comment there to be that we should, our, our main emphasis should be moral and spiritual issues. Those are the things that should, in other words, everybody's got an idea about taxes, everybody's got an idea about the economy and so forth. But we should respectfully address our public officials Primarily, our concern are moral and spiritual issues. All right. And Stephen in Pennsylvania says, if the president makes moral decisions you disagree with, what would be the proper way to react? He says simply, in a godly manner. We need to react in a godly manner. Regardless of what the government does and what uh, decisions the president might make, it does not alleviate our responsibility to be godly and behave as God would have us to at all times, and so we appreciate Stephen for reminding us of that. And one more time from Jonathan in Cookville, Tennessee. If the president makes moral decisions that you disagree with, what would be the proper way to react? He says a Christian should never take part in an act that is immoral. I'm reminded of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We cannot always do things about what goes on around us, but we can keep ourselves from joining in, even if that results in earthly punishment. Uh Certainly, this is true, and and I think when when you first hear what Jonathan is suggesting there, you'd say, well, I would never do that anyway. But, uh, you know, as our country becomes more and more ungodly, and even as legislation is passed that is immoral, it has the potential to wear people down. Uh, I, I would use as an example the, the idea of the, of the uh, state lotteries, Jacob. You know, I have heard and continue to hear some who call themselves Christians who argue that they don't think there's anything wrong with buying a lottery ticket. Well, there's a case of, of the, the the governmental officials legislating something that I think most Christians opposed, but now because it's been passed, we're desensitized, we're desensitized to it. So I think that uh, Jonathan makes a good point that doesn't matter. If they pass immoral things, we can never participate in those He talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then we have to throw Daniel into the mix. Were there only four Jews that were taken captive? No, there were a lot more than that. I remind myself, what were the other Jews doing? 
Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing up for what's right. And it shows it shows us the danger, Dad, when the world around us is evil, when the government's making evil decisions and imposing evil rules upon us. The temptation is to give in, as some of those other Jews, no doubt, succumb to that temptation. Yeah. Don in Antioch says that we, if the president makes immoral decisions, we should speak out and be heard and never succumb to those who try to make you out to have some kind of phobia just because you hate the sin of homosexuality. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we have we have been raised in a country where we have these liberties to speak and we can use them. It's one of the one of the privileges we have and it's an opportunity for us to let our light shine. But we cannot be uh we cannot be disrespectful, we cannot be uh you know disobedient in regards to the commands that we can keep that are not in violation with the will of God. All right. And we, and we got Patrick from Birmingham who adds, uh, if it is a question of his own personal behavior, I think we should be careful about judging him. Even upstanding people sometimes make bad decisions. An example would be our last Democratic president's indiscretions with a certain intern while he was in office. But if it is in regard to a law or policy he puts in place, depending on what it is, we should certainly act. We we must make use of the proper political processes to oppose any unjust law in the best way we can. We should pray for the president and anyone else involved. We should obey to the extent we can, even if we disagree. But if obeying a law would cause us to sin, we must disobey that. And I think that's that's certainly right, absolutely right. But even as it, <coughs> excuse me, even as he mentions, and I think a lot of us as Christians, I would confess that I was in this category too. For instance, when Bill Clinton was engaged in immoral, personal immorality while he was holding the highest office in the land, it was easy to say snide remarks about him, dishonor, dishonor him. And we got to be real careful about that. I think that's one. I think of all the things that we've talked about tonight, Jacob, that's the thing that, you know, probably all of us need to be most on guard about. Well, even with the current president. He's made some decisions that uh, that many would disagree with, and uh, there's been lots of people who have called in to question his intelligence and other dishonoring things, and we've got to be careful about that yeah. because God uh, expects us to honor those who are in a positions of authority, and we need to do it. Exactly right. All right. Any other emails that we need I, to get before? Let's see. Let me check one more time see if we've got any late-breaking emails. Nope, we yeah, got we've got one. one more coming in here. Uh Mike is. Uh, oh, we got that one. Oh, again. we got that one. Okay, right. that's, that's just. Uh, he wants to make sure that his voice is heard. Yeah, the, yeah, he is wanting to be heard on that. All right, I think we did. Thank you, that. Mike, for your participation. I appreciate all of our emailers for your your time and uh, composing your emails and your good feedback on our questions. Certainly, Dad, as we think about the president, and our relationship to him, it's an it's an important, it's a serious thing, and it's something that we don't consider often enough. Probably. I think that's right, and I think most, as I said, most, if not all, of, of our listeners probably feel like. Uh, we lost this one. You know, the, uh, what, what we thought was best didn't happen here. Uh, and so it's going to be a greater challenge for us to maintain proper attitudes and conduct ourselves the way we should. Uh, so be aware that, that we're under a, a greater test. There will be nothing that the president does that will give us an excuse to not honor him. And if he gives us no instructions that violate God's will, there will be no excuse for us not to obey him. And nothing he can do will cause us to have excuse not to pray for him. Our obligations basically remain the same regardless of how he, what kind of person he is and what kind of decisions he makes. Exactly right. All right. Thank you for your time tonight, Dad. Thanks, Jacob. And thank you for listening to the program. We hope that uh, the discussion was beneficial to you and helpful to you in your daily life. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, 
We encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.